Hey, it's Sunny Days. I am the co-host and co-creator of Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Listen, I am a podcast her, okay, H-E-R, an activist, a thought leader, pin pusher, and lover of poodles. And I'm Lisa Davis, MPH. I am a lover of social justice, healthy living, dogs, and I love being the co-host and co-creator of Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Now is the time for honest, unfiltered conversations, for authentic voices and their stories, and for connection. Join us as we confront the moment head on with this podcast. It is passionate. It is real as lives behind the headlines. Active allyship, it's more than a hashtag. And listen, it goes beyond the likes, the retweets, and the hashtags, making space for the vital dialogue necessary for racial justice. And now, on to the show. Davis, so glad you're listening to Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Unfortunately, Sunny is the way today. I am loving this book. It is called God and Race, A Guide for Moving Beyond Black Fists and White Knuckles. It is by John Siebling and Wayne Francis. And today, Wayne is joining us to talk about this incredible book. Wayne Francis leads a New York location of the Life Church and was a founder and lead pastor of the former Authentic Church, which merged with the Life Church in early 2020. Wayne and his wife, Claudine, serve together in ministry and have two daughters, Haley and Riley. Wayne, welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be on. Oh my gosh, we're so excited. Okay, so first of all, the book is incredible. Thank you. And this is coming from a Jewish agnostic. Oh, so cool. I just had a great conversation with my atheist friend yesterday. At least your agnostic is totally different. (laughs) Once I started reading, I'm like, okay, this is genius. And because here's the thing, we have to have these conversations. That's why we created this show. It is so incredibly important. So I love in the book, Wayne, you write, we can have open-handed conversations without compromising our integrity. That's Mm -hmm. what I've learned from my friendship with John. Talk about that because I think maybe there is this idea of that compromise. Yeah, you know, um, I think all of us are desiring to feel safe in having conversations that could turn toxic. And um, one of the things is to have a conviction in our culture at times can be very abrasive. And I've learned that um, when two people have convictions, if they keep interacting with each other, it may feel like sandpaper, but sandpaper over time gets smoother as you interact with each other. And our relationship has been that way. We've had, we come from two different perspectives and worldviews and I'm from New York (laughs) city and he's from Alabama. No, he's not from Alabama. He's from Louisiana. He would be so upset if he heard me say Alabama because Louisiana and Alabama sports are crazy, but um, that's how we grew. Yeah, I think it's great. And I also love how you write, uh, oftentimes the words God and race don't seem to go together. They feel like two unrelated topics, but nothing could be further from the truth. Diversity and unity are pivotal pieces of God's plan. Okay, now you want to make me believe. So my <laughs> my my, uh, my beloved grandfather, Grandpa Saul, was like the best human. He was just, he taught me very early, as did the rest of my family, about the evils of racism. And he thought of himself as a secular humanist and he, you know, it's funny because he would agree with what you're saying, but without the God part, but yet mm-hmm. it doesn't matter, right? But it makes me go, hmm, what, what is this? What is this God's plan? I never learned that part. 
God and race trigger people, right? Those two words and so on. So wherever people land spiritually, I feel like this book is applicable. Again, I have Jewish friends, atheist friends that are reading it. And I think what's powerful about it is that they're watching a conversation being modeled by a man of color, a brother, and a white man, right? And we are talking in a way that is civil and respectful and filled with love. So regardless of what you think about God, I think all of us would agree that there's a level of spirituality to us, right? There's something that we know that's going on inside of us that we're trying to relate to the world in some way. So if we could start there and just, you can say, okay, well, I don't know where I land on all the God stuff, but I do understand that I have empathy. I have a heart. I have something going on inside the spiritual furniture of my life that I know needs rearranging from times. And how can I do that so that I can love people better than what we're currently dealing with right now. So hopefully that came through. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, it absolutely did. I also love that you didn't shy away from systemic racism and the horrors of it and your own personal experiences, because I think that's what people, they don't really, well, not people, I say a lot of white people, I don't think they understand. And I think that to to the book, it was just so powerful. When you write about being pulled over by a cop in a predominantly white neighborhood that you're a part of, by the way, and you wrote... That is profiling, that is suffocating, that is stifling, that feels like a knee holding you down. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That was um, a really hard experience for me because as a black guy, you kind of feel like, oh, I made it, right? I'm opening up some doors for people that are behind me and I'm in a new community and so on. And it's sort of like, you know, you hear people complain about these celebrities that are, you know, black or and they're like, oh, you have $2 million. But the feeling is like, well, I, I still cannot break this proverbial ceiling or I still feel like I'm in the hood because I can get pulled over. It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. It doesn't matter, you know, what kind of car I drive. There's always this level of suspicion. And after leaving that restaurant that night with my buddy Jimmy and being pulled over and the fear and the teeth chattering and the just kind of disrespect to feel sort of like a child. And I think I come at it pretty honestly in the book to say, look, I understand that there's a lot of cops. My brother's in-law is a cop. When you walk up to any car, things could go down, right? So I want to be respectful to that officer who wants to go back home and see his kids. But it was also totally profiling, totally the presumption that I I didn't belong in that neighborhood. And it was in his tone and it was in his entire treatment of me. So yeah, but, but, you know, man, that was just talking about it still just like, Oh, I hate that. But Oh, I know. And it, it, but people need to read that. Right. And, and that's why I'm so glad. Like you didn't shy away. Like I wasn't sure. I thought, you know, because whenever I, I, I approach a book on race, I, I want it to be very raw and real mm-hmm. so people can stop and go, oh my God. And like if they don't have that empathy, which is beyond me, but a lot of people don't, that they will at least something will click and it will do the work of the heart, which is what you talk about in the book. You have to, <laughs> you have to do the work of the heart. And I also love that you have John write a chapter on white privilege. Because I thought this was so interesting. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she blew me away because I thought she knew about white privilege. And she was saying, my my son's friend, she's Mexican and rich. And she was like, you know, Bob, I changed the name. You have white privilege and blah, blah. You have privilege. And she's, she's like, what about this rich girl saying? And I was like, uh, okay, hold on. Yeah. Let me talk to you. And it just shocked me. I was like, "What? Th- her being Mexican or family being rich has nothing to do. So talk to us about that for people who still don't get the white privilege. 
Well, you know, white privilege doesn't mean that white people haven't had any problems or it doesn't mean that you um, your life has been easy if you're white or it doesn't mean that you haven't worked for the things that you have or you haven't experienced poverty or um, persecution or problems. It just means that your skin color likely in North America wasn't one of them, right? And yeah. so um, because of that, it, we read this wonderful book called White Picket Fences by um, Amy Julia Becker, I think her name is. Yeah, um, I think so. And basically, she says privilege harms everyone, people that have it and people that don't. And she was raising a special needs son and started to feel what that you know, was like when she saw that kids that didn't have special needs were treated differently. So the truth of the matter is, in America, we do have systemic racism. It's just the truth. And we also have... Um, you know, privilege, whether you exercise it or you're aware of it or not, the point is to create empathy that it does exist. And even if you think it's a false narrative, well, you need to empathize with people that are marginalized to say that that is part of their reality. And I want to do whatever I can to dismantle perceptions that are going to hold people back from thriving um, and flourishing full in life. So, yeah, we, me and me. Pastor John tried to laugh about some of this stuff, like, you know, um, you know, there's so much things that are funny. I, I, I was preaching this past weekend about Central Park, Karen, um, that uh, happened here in New York. And I said, look, girl, if if a black man got on binoculars and he know about birds uh, in Central Park, he's likely not a threat. All right. <laughs> I'm glad you laughed at that. I think we all need to laugh a little bit to say some things are certainly ridiculous and we need to dismantle some of the things that exist um, that keep racism growing. Yeah, well, one of the things that made me laugh, and it's one of those reluctant laughs, is when John wrote something to the effect of there's an app on social media where you can tell where people are racist. It's called Facebook. And I can't tell you how many people I've unfriended. And these aren't close friends. These are like high school people. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, you are a Trump or you're whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so. Goodbye, block. So I do want to jump into in the last few minutes, and you are going to come back, is uh, getting into these conversations. And one of the things that I love is you say, you talk about influence. You say using your influence is an ongoing and lifelong process. It's a lifestyle, a daily choice. So talk to us about influence and talk to us about starting these hard conversations. Well, you know, influence, uh, you know, you're either gaining it or you're losing it. And so um, I feel like all of us have a measure of influence that we can leverage toward advancing the conversation on race, whether it's like listening to this. It's as simple. If you're a listener right now, share this conversation on your social media. Talk to somebody about it. That is as powerful as anything else. It's actually probably more powerful than a post. It's about taking the responsibility of influence that are people in your world to advance positivity around us. So um, you're either losing it or you're gaining it. Um, and hopefully you're not being neutral to the influence that you do have. Yeah, that that is the worst. I also love that when John writes about social media, the good, bad, and the ugly, and I love these guardrail suggestions, pray before you post, pause before you post, host before you post, and maybe just don't post. And I think that's the thing, like people are so reactive, right? Yeah. And they don't take, just like take a beat. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why in our culture, silence is not an option anymore. <laughs> it's almost like there's so much outrage that I just have to say something. And um, sometimes... Um, the condition of our souls are at the tip of our tongue. And if that's the case, we should just be quiet. You know, there is one thing, and it's just heavy, and I know we only have a few minutes, but I, it's, you know, with the whole Amber Geiger situation, mm -hmm. yeah. I didn't like the forgiveness. I'm a bad person. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I thought she should be put away forever. 
mm-hmm. agreed with the guy in your church who came up to you and said that white girl should have whatever, you know, had more yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet you were brought to tears. And so this is why you have to come back because I think I am a really empathetic, kind, loving person, but I feel mm-hmm. like what she did was so horrendous and atrocious and may I say God awful that mm-hmm. I don't think she need I don't think she deserved a hug. And I know that sounds awful, but yeah. Maybe I need to work on myself because I do people will like a friend of mine's like, every time you do the show, you're so angry. I'm like, yeah, I am angry because racism pisses me off. Yeah, I believe in justice, and I think that justice needs to be served. But I think the beautiful thing about grace is you're giving somebody something that they don't deserve lavishly. And I want to extend to other people what I would like to be extended to me robustly. And I think that that's what's profound, um, because there are certain prisons that we can let people out of that are way better than doing time at Rikers or something like that. Um, and that's what was profound for me is that um, we want robust, lavish grace because that's how people change, hopefully. I hope so. Well, I hope you don't think less of me. I'm just wanted no! to be honest and say I find it. You you are so coming back, Wayne, because I have to let you go and I'm very sad. Okay, tell us all the ways we can find the book in the meantime because it's flipping amazing. Thank you so much. You can go to godandrace.com, godandrace.com. You can buy the book there. There's also small group curriculum. You can tether to me and my pastor. We do a a monthly podcast called Leadership in Black and White. All of those resources are, are, um, we talk about racism once a month. It's really cool in a proactive way without headlines and hashtags. Um, So you can join us there. Thank you so much for allowing me to have some time with you. Thank you so much for listening to Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tell your friends and family. This is really important and we want to get the word out. So glad that you're listening. Please keep coming back. Also follow us on Instagram at activeallyship.podcast. Thank you so much.